buy me some peanuts and crackers, Jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. Nelson, the banger of 1908. Extra, extra, read all about it. Edward Meeker sings, take me out to the ball game. Could you imagine? It's 1908. You love baseball. And this banger from Edward Meeker drops. And you can't help but turn it on and rip the knob off on your phonograph. What do you think, Nelson? Would you lose Yeah, as you're about to go to the game in your suit. In your suit, and you're about to either... Did they even have trolleys then? Walk there or ride on your horse and buggy. You think, it'd be, you think it was lit in 1908 when this song came out? You think people lost their minds over this? It's when men were men. It's when you wear a suit everywhere you went, you didn't shower for weeks. <laughs> and you rode a damn horse. You weren't walking. And you could buy a, a meat pie... And and Honus Wagner was tearing for a, it up for, a for a the nickel. Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> and Honus Wagner was your idol. <laughs> and his biggest rival was Ty Cobb. <laughs> and they used a little stick, <laughs> those bats back in the day. And what do you think they topped out at? What do you think a pitcher topped out at at 1908? 90. Was he pitching 90? Yeah, he's reaching 90. And that dude had pitched the whole game. No problem. They didn't know thing of Tommy John surgery. Eh, rub a little dirt on it, Sonny. Get out there. You're pitching on back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back days. Get out there and throw the full game. And, that, and Nelson, what did you say? And that's where men were men, right? Yep. <laughs> and Edward Mika was singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and people were losing their minds over it. It was like the first – it was like pre-Beatles mania. Edward Meeker would walk around the streets, and people would throw their, their pantaloons at him of how awesome those <laughs> Take Me Out to the Ball Game was. Extra, extra. All right, Nelly, baseball, we're going to go with it. I'm positive today. Baseball is back for the time being anyways. There is a lot of moving parts in all of this. So everyone's going to be playing uh, in their home stadiums. You're, you're, you're going to be getting Miller Park action. You're going to be going to Wrigley, going to you know insert stadium here. You're going to get, what is it, uh, 40 games against NL Central, so 10 each against your four other rivals. And then you get 20 games going to the AL Central. What do you think? How do you think this this benefits the Brewers, doesn't it? Don't you think? I mean, the AL or the NL Central, the AL Central is very weak. Twins are the best, obviously. But then the Royals, the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Indians, who are all kind of what? Rebuilding or just stink? Yeah, like if you had to pick the MLB division you'd want to play from the opposite. Uh, league, yeah, it'd be the NL or the AL Central. It totally would be the AL Central because yeah, you have the Twins who will probably be the best team. You have the Indians who are they'll probably be middle of the road. White Sox, you don't even really know what you're going to get. There's some potential there, but there's also potential to be. They got a lot of talent coming in. I mean, what do they got? Uh, they got um, Yasmani Grandal. Who else have they got over there now? They have a lot of young guys, and then they sign guys like uh, Yasmani Grandal, I believe Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they have some pitchers. They obviously have some young guys out in the field, but there's so many question marks. They could say they win 90 games. They could also win 75. Like, I'm in not, a regular season. In a normal in season. In a normal yes. season, yeah. Uh, now so, who knows? So, I mean, that's still a huge question mark. Detroit, Kansas City, they're going to be god-awful. Yeah, they stink. The Twins are basically the one you're looking at, right? You're like, here's the juggernaut. But look, all right, look at the NL then. Out of a 60-game regular season, when you play each NL team 10 times, does this benefit the Milwaukee Brewers of potentially getting to the playoffs? A 60-game regular season? What do you think? I don't think this benefits everyone in the NL Central besides maybe the Pirates because I think the Pirates are going to be so bad it doesn't matter anyways. Well, I think just overall it helps every single baseball team have the ability to potentially make a playoff just because they play so many less games. Totally, totally. But, yes, out of all the teams in the NL Central, I think you'd have to say Pittsburgh is still the least likely to compete. (laughs) But I think it just – remember we were talking last winter when we were talking about what the the makeup of the NL Central might look like? Mm -hmm. I think it just completely opens the door for any of those top four teams. Brewers – uh, Cardinals, Reds, what? Cubs, anyone could win it. What team, it's going to be even more wide open. What team out of the Pirates 
scares you the most as a Brewer fan? The Reds. I was going to say, I think it's the Reds. The Reds have been stacking. And I know we were giving you some guff last season when the was like their owner was like, I'd rather win 75 games than 74. And then they went out and what is that? Who did they get? Was it uh, They, tr- they was acquired it Trevor ba- uh, Bauer. Yeah. Do they still have Puig? I can't remember. Uh, well, they, well they, if you remember what they did this offseason, they signed Mike Moustakis. Yep. God, I miss Mike Moustakis. They signed already. Wade Miley. Yep. They, they added to a team that was already good. On paper. Uh, oh, Puig is a free agent. That's what it was. He was with the Reds. Um, yeah, on paper, the Reds were just stacking. They were, they were looking damn good. Uh, the Cubs are a question mark for me, but in a 60-game season, you've got to, you're you going to have guys. Well, there's a lot of weird infighting going on with the Cubs. That was between their, their players, their yep. manager, their front office, the ownership had comments. How'd you like there's to just be... a lot of, a lot of uh, resentment, I feel like, in that organization right now. How would you like to be a brand new manager? Like, let's say, you know, David Ross for the Cubs. This is your first year as a manager, and you're going to be having a 60 game season. Well, I feel like you get a pass. Yeah, you totally get a pass. And what a what a weird, bizarre year to be like a first a newcomer at something, you know? And the Brewers, when it comes to the starting, when it comes to the how the Brewers use their pitchers, Rowdy. What is your thoughts on a 60-game season and how the Brewers use their pitching staff? Well, I mean, in a 60-game season, it's, and, and right now rosters are projected for 30 players, right? Yeah, clubs will open up the season with 30 players until the 15th day of the season, then 28 players until the 28th day, and then 26 for the duration. So they'll probably start with at least 15 or 16 pitchers. Uh-huh. Well, what did the Brewers, what did they like to do? They were pulling their starters early, using more arms. A carousel of pitching. Kind of piecing games together. Well, I'm I'm sure you're going to see that probably probably even more, especially with the current rotation that they have outside of Brandon Woodruff. Does this, does this benefit the Brewers then? It, obviously, it does. Like in their pitching staff, I think yeah, totally. Less less games. You can use the the pitching. Well, the. The starters in the rotation don't have to go six innings. Mm-hmm. They can go there four or five. You get more guys out of your bullpen. They're going to be able to use more more arms. And plus they have that new rule where you have to see at least, what is it, three batters in a row now unless you yeah. end the inning. It's what you end the inning or you get injured. But it doesn't even matter. You you have so many guys now. You have potentially have 15, 16 arms out there. Yeah, this is so intriguing. I hope it happens. I'm not going to believe it officially until I see it on my TV. The only thing that'll it'll make it worse for pitchers is now that it's full-time DH in the NL. Ryan Braun, DH? I think you have three guys that really uh, fit that mold to play. Well, I'll go with four guys that I can name that really fit that mold. Ryan Braun, obviously number one. Yep. It's a guy that will probably have to show that he's got a hit. He's got to be able to do well at DH to hang on for another year or two. Yep. Um, I think Keston Hero would be a good guy to he potentially would. play DH. Obviously, there's been a lot of question marks with him in the field. Uh, wouldn't it be nice, though, for Hero to be out on the field for the 60-game season to work? Because at the end of the day, it's it a 60-game season. You you give this cat a little more time to work on his defense You'd just be field. hiding him more, but he's he's yeah. a guy that would be a, a good DH. Oh, totally. He's got a hot stick. And then you also look at Avisail Garcia. He's also a guy that he played in the American League with. Uh, he came up with the Tigers, and I think he also played with the White Sox. So he's got some DH experience. He's also kind of built more like a DH, even though he's been better than Ryan Braun out in the field the last few years. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy that would probably profile to a DH would be a guy they signed to a one-year deal, Jed Jerko. Jed Jerko. That just sounds like a guy that's going to be ripping some dingers from a DH, doesn't it? Jed Jerko. Brewer fans can only hope so. <laughs> I think, how would you stack it in order, though? Probably Ryan Braun's your DH. Ryan Braun would be number one. Yeah, totally. And then I'm looking at here, uh, Bob Nightingale's reporting on this. So clubs are allowed to invite up to 60 players to their spring training camps. Are we still calling it spring training? Spring training 2.0? I mean, it is officially summer. But, Spring training 2.0, I guess. I, I like the sound of that. Spring training 2.0. Uh, the health and protocol agreement allows all players, high risk or not, to opt out of the season. However, those players who aren't high risk or living with a high risk person or pregnant spouse would not be paid. So, okay. So if they're not paid and they can opt out, is that just does that count as a year on their contract, though? I, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't or know. are they still, say, if they're locked into a five-year deal? And you opt out this year, you don't get paid. 
does that mean all of a sudden you only have four years left on that deal, or are you still locked in for that five years? That's a great because question. Because you didn't you didn't honor that year, you didn't get paid. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not sure. I, all I know is that the money is being messed with big time. I don't know if you, if you opt out and not get paid if that counts against you because. <laughs> Would you rather make 0% of your contract or 37% of your contract? I'd rather be making money, you know. Well, if it, if it didn't affect your deal, what if you're like a what if you're a guy like a uh Bryce Harper? Yeah. Who, and, and you're just say like, nah. say you just signed that deal. Mhm. Go, "Eh, nah. I don't want to I don't want to come back for pennies on the dollar here for the 60 game season. I'll just keep my 10-year contract." And next year I'll get paid my thirty million dollars, and then the next nine years after that I'll collect my thirty. Well, with another with a like a year up, then you'd have to go back. How would that work though with the, the organization and their books? And so I asked the question how it's going to work. I, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's a good question. So five hundred and twenty eight players, forty two percent of Major League Baseball, will now be paid one thousand one hundred thousand dollars or less buy Major League Baseball for the rest of the season after they declined that deal and forego the $33 million in salary forgiveness on the table considering the $170 million advance to players in March. Um, and that's that's kind of what the um, the star players were looking for, right? Yeah. They were looking forward to keep more of their money Yeah, and for it to really affect the lower-level guys, the younger guys that haven't gotten into those second and third contracts. And this is kind of what, when the owners first proposed, what was the 82-game season, Yeah, what they were trying to get away from, because they were trying to keep the bottom-run guys making close to what they were, and, and the higher-paid guys, higher guys take more of the hit, taking about 30% of what they were making. Yeah, so now they have, so 42%. So you're, so you're going to have all these younger guys that could just turn and smile and wave and say thank you to the to the high-paid all-stars. Yeah. That this is why it's happening. So like Mike Trout, for example... Uh, Mike Trout will still pull in $14 million over 60 games, and various other stars are making more than $10 million. The Major League Baseball's rank and file is certainly taking the pay hit. Almost half of the league, 42% of players, will be paid hundred k or less when you still get the big boys like the Trouts still pulling in $14 million over 60 games. That is just funny money. Wow. Yeah, for 60 games, they get 37% of their 160-game salary. So an additional hit comes when you take into account the players got a $170 million salary advance in March. That money has to be paid back when games start, meaning players making the minimum are seeing their 162-game salaries of 563000 turn into less than 100000 for 60 games. Wow. So if you were set if you were a minimum guy in a hundred and sixty two game season, you would make five hundred and sixty three thousand dollars. Now if you're a minimum guy, you're a rank and file guy, you will make less than one hundred thousand. While Mike Trout will still make fourteen million over sixty games. But let's be honest, those rank and file guys are nowhere near close to the talent of Mike Trout. Oh yeah, exactly. And Mike Trout's worth that fourteen million. Totally. Now is Bryce Harper worth Roughly the fourteen million he's probably making. No, no, <laughs> no, no, he's not. Uh, so they say right here. But uh, I mean, if you're those low level guys, what if you don't do it? Then uh, you don't get anything. Yeah, you get nothing. I, dude, if I was set to make over half a million dollars for 162 games, and they're like, well, you can play 60 games and make a little less than 100k. Okay, do I want to make 0% of my money or 37%? Yeah, I'll take 37% to play a freaking game. And you're, game. Still, you're still working trying to become the best player yeah. you can be so you can get those second and third contracts so you can make those big-time money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would totally do that in a heartbeat. No doubt about it. That's crazy, though, that uh, then they got to pay that money back and whatnot. Man, but wild they are, stuff. But they are the ones that are affected the most. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they just got to, honestly, what? You just got to grin and bear it, right? Do you really want to be that guy who's making, who's a rank and file, low level guy? Do you want to be, be the one making and creating waves? Here, making he, a big stink? Here, we had our, our guy OB on Twitter. Hey, OB. Add Zone Madison at Rowdy Razor. How many new contracts are going to have a pandemic clause in them now? I'm going to say any ones that are signed in the next couple of years are going to have one. 
Oh, dude, I would put a pandemic clause in there. The owners are like, okay, no fans in the stands. We still got to pay this prorated contract. And I know like, there's like a report that six owners didn't want to do this anyways. I would be putting in a pandemic clause. Because you know another one's going to happen probably in four years. And, I mean, you, you look at it. This just completely decimated MLB baseball. We're talking about if they were going to have a season. Mm-hmm. We st- we're still talking about how many fans are going to be viewing it. Yep. This decimated this keep MLB mind, season. And there might there still might not be a season, though. Just because, just because yeah, they're going to report July 1st. And then July 23rd, 24th, the season's going to start up. No fans in the stands. But how many moving parts are involved in the season right now? You're now playing. Everyone's stadiums, that's where they're playing at. You have a certain states now spiking again. There's a lot of moving parts. There's people that take care of the park. There's staff. There's players. You know, insert, insert. There's bus drivers. There's all kinds of people. There's people that fly planes, people that work at the airports. Seven, seven Phillies just got positive tests for COVID-19. Uh, Rockies, Charlie Blackman, and two others got positive COVID-19 yesterday. There's a lot of moving parts in here now. Just because they've pushed this through a 60-game season and July 1st being the start of spring training 2.0, I'm still not going to believe it until I see it on yeah, my Yeah, could you imagine with these new prorated contracts, if you're one of the lower-rung guys, you get ready, you know, they start playing the season, and then less than a month in, they call it because everyone's testing positive with COVID-19 and they're mm-hmm. like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. What do you come away with? A couple grand. A couple grand to go work out a little bit. But then you, you had to travel to wherever you were. Yeah, man. Bunch I of, am, bunch of headaches. I am. My glass is half full. It's not half empty. It's half full. But my glass won't. My glass will not be full until I literally see Brandon Woodruff take the mound and throw the first pitch. Till then, I still a little bit of part of me says I don't know if it's gonna yep, happen. Yep, and that's a month away. A month away with a lot of moving parts. <laughs> All right, Nelly, one thing that uh, I was really intrigued about this coming baseball season, even before this pandemic and even in a normal season, is how much people are going to hate the Houston Astros. You think uh, what they said, I think it was about, it was in the low 80s of how many times they'll get hit in a 162-game season. You think still people will be plunking the Houston Astros players out there? Well, now they're going to have to prorate that. (laughs) Yep. To 37% of, we'll say, 82. Uh Uh-huh. We're gonna have to do that math here real quick, but I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe. Do you think they get away with this a little more? Do you think guys have forgot about this with all the COVID nineteen and all the distractions of the player, you know, the player association versus the owners? They definitely are getting away with it a little bit more because you're not gonna have fans in the stands booing them re- relentlessly. If I were a uh, a team and the Houston Astros were coming into my ballpark, I would be piping in boos every time they're up the bat. Boo. Oh, and that number would be a little over 30. So they'd have to be plunked a little over 30 times? Yeah, to uh, prorate their 82 in a 162-game season. God. Because you know some Astros are going to be plunked. Right? Or they're yeah. going to be... The COVID nineteen, and we already have to deal with that. Now I gotta go out there and worry about getting hit. Like, well, dude, you cheated to win the World Series. I'd hope you get plunked relentlessly. Third, a little over thirty. But would guys be willing to? Would guys be willing to plunk them, knowing that if they did, because uh, Robert Manfred kind of kind of protected Astros players, would they be more inclined to take a uh, fine suspension and fine? With that, Ooh. with the season going on, All because right, bring there's that not play, that yeah. much money going around. So, are they are they reducing what fines cost then? Or the, I I gotta know because I I haven't heard about fines. If you're a Houston Astros player, you should be getting plunked at least once in every ballpark that you have to play in. Right? How many they deserve to be plunked? That's that's the that's like street justice in baseball, right? Yeah, for a guy that says he doesn't like the unwritten rules of baseball, you're really calling for the unwritten rules of baseball here. For, I don't like for guys to get hit. I don't like all of them, Ellie, but I like some of them. Some these guys should get hit. I'm all for players getting plunked, especially the Houston Astros. Uh, they say maybe teams will pipe in loud boos over the stadium sound system. Uh, I don't see that happening. By the way, have you watched any? Oh. The answer is no. Have you seen by chance when you were going around the dial 
like uh, English Premier League was on, and I was watching I saw soccer. Ten minutes of Bundesliga when it and first they piped came in on. the crowd noise. Did you see nope. were they piping in crowd noise for the Bundesliga? That was the first week back. The piped in crowd noise is very strange because you see no one in the stands. But they got someone literally probably hitting a bunch of buttons to react certain in certain situations. It's uh it's weird. It does, I think, make the game a little more entertaining, I guess. But when you're watching no no fans in the stands, it's different. But that's soccer and baseball and baseball you're noticing the fans in the stands, obviously, when there's like a big home run. The the thing I hate worst about fans in the stands when it comes to baseball is when someone hits like it to the warning track and everyone thinks it's a home run. They stand up and start cheering. <laughs> like, dude, calm down a little bit. And you, it turns out it's didn't even make it to yeah, the warning track. Like you can you could tell by the sound of the bat that that ball was going anywhere. Uh, so how many times will the Astros get plunked? And you figure out it's just it's just slightly over thirty. Yep. Would you take the over or the under on that? That's I'm interesting. I'm going to go under because I'm of the go fines. Under now with the fines, especially if you have less money. Of, so who are guys that are already making less because they're less valued? Forty two percent of the league. Those uh, situational relievers. Yeah. Well, who are the guys that are coming in and pitching in the later innings or situational relievers? Yeah. Or if it's a, a guy that's not a, a big time ace, he's not a a big time high paid pitcher. Yeah. Is he going to want a plunk? These guys, because he's gonna have to take a few thousand dollar fine. God, I'm gonna go with the under. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it in a normal season. I would. In this kind of season, I don't think I would. Just because you're already giving up, you're already giving up. You're making 37 percent of what your contract was gonna be. Can the Nationals try to repeat as World Series champion? The fifth most intriguing storyline, according to this article. I don't know. I think it's anyone's. It's fair game for about anyone now in the 60 game I'm gonna, season. I'm gonna say it's gonna help them because yeah, totally. like you said, it's it's fair game. Anyone could win it this year. Who do you think? Who do you think? All right, fair game. Sure, I'm gonna go on a limb and say the teams like the Marlins. Good luck. The Pirates. Good luck. Well, yeah, they're not they're not serious contenders. No, whether but it they was, could sneak into the playoffs. Whether it was 60 games or 162, but here's the thing: they still have a better shot at being better for only 60 games. Because, like you said, you can get hot and you're right there. It's like the wild, wild west right now. Because, uh, and 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 I keep bringing it up because I love the stat that you had. It was the the Seattle Mariners, right? They went 15 and three to start the 2019 season. If you're 15 and three in a 60 game season, you're looking like you're looking damn good, aren't you? <laughs> you're and, the best team in the first 20 games. And then what did the Mariners they eventually finish? Fifth to last in the AL. They won 68 <laughs> games last season. They started hot and then just <laughs> stunk it up. Nelly, you figured it out. The Houston Astros. Let's say it was 82 times Vegas at the over-under for them getting plunked in a 162-game yeah. season. You figured out how— If you prorate it to 37%, that's a little over 30. And I don't think that's going to happen. Especially— I take the under. Especially when you have the fines with the less money. You have the distraction between the Players Association versus the owners' fights. Yep. You might have some infighting between different uh, players depending on what rung they're at. I think you have to go with the under. I think the Astros yeah, lucked so. out and got the best case scenario for them not to get plunked next year. Astros luck it's out like again. a perfect storm for them. Rob, remember when Rob Manfred said, like, what was the big deal? It's just a hunk of metal in reference to the, tro- the World Series trophy. Uh, I mean, that's not even his worst take no. in the last year. No. You're like, man, this guy really looks like an idiot saying this. And then it just progressively got worse and worse for Rob Manfred, who now is the worst commissioner in professional sports. I was scrolling through Instagram. Uh, no big butt on here, but you remember uh, you remember Dallas or he's now on the Dallas Cowboys. But you remember Ha Ha Clinton Dix? Remember when he played for the the Packers? Oh, I remember him. Yeah, and then he what played for the Bears? I remember when he was good too. Same. That was pretty fun, wasn't it? He played for the Bears then after that, right? Redskins. Redskins. Then the Bears, right? Yep. yep. And now he's a cowboy. Now he's a boy. Well, you figure Ha Ha Clinton Dix. In his time for the Packers, his best that he was during his career, he didn't have any problem against any Bears, right? Like he he he, was, he showed no fear against Bears, you'd say, right? Sure. I remember him picking off, you know, Cuddy a bunch. Well, now Dallas Cowboys safety, ha ha, Clinton Dix, he had a close encounter with a bear, and specifically a mother bear and her cub. So, ha ha, Clinton Dix on his Instagram, he wrote, "I play D, gotta be ready to go." A little high on my flip turn, but the drive was there. I ain't know how many was over there. And then in the picture, 
Haha Clinton Dix is riding on this scooter. And as he's riding on the scooter, it's in like a metropolitan area. He's like, there's like a parking garage or some cars parked. There is, uh, looks like some business fronts, maybe some apartment front. There is a mama bear and her cub just walking around. Ha ha Clinton Dix then is just riding this motorized scooter. <laughs> comes up on him. He comes up on him because the bears are behind a car. Ha ha Clinton Dix on the other side of the car. He comes flying by in his scooter, sees a mama bear and his two cubs, immediately jumps off the scooter. The scooter just goes flying. Ha ha Clinton Dix sprints as fast as he can in the opposite direction uh, after he runs into a mama bear and her cub. It looks like it's a sidewalk of like the metropolitan area. Would you crap yourself if you rode up? Did you see this video at all? No. Would you crap yourself if you rode up and there was a mama bear and her cub just chilling in the city? I'd crap myself. I don't know. Anytime I get on a scooter type thing, it always ends bad. <laughs> Why? What happened? Was that when you got hit by the car? Yeah, and I ran a um, moped into a fence once. It was oh. the last. It was the well, last. How'd you do that? Those are the last two times I've gotten on a motor type scooter. Here, here's the video. How'd you? How'd you run in a scooter into a fence? They didn't tell me how to stop. You never heard of brakes? So I'm watching this video. I, where does he? You'll see it. He's coming up. I'm confused. Of where you, you didn't know there was brakes on a moped? <coughs> did you see and why did he? Fall, why did? He, why didn't he just stop? Why well, did he just did? He like ghost rided it. Well, I'd imagine because there was a bear and her cub in the city, jumped out of nowhere. <laughs> Man, towards the end of his career, that's how it looked like he defended some of the receivers downfield. Right, I know. Uh, so go check out Ha Ha Clinton Dick's Instagram account. He's got um, this funny video. It takes a little bit for Ha Ha to, to get on the scene. But there he is just strolling around on his motorized scooter. Sees a mama bear and her cub just chilling behind the car. And he, he jumps off the scooter. The scooter still continues the ghost ride. And Ha Ha Clinton Dick sprints as fast as he can the other way. <laughs> it's pretty funny, man. I would... They saw there was a there was a bear roaming around Platteville. I saw, I think, and uh, was there one in Middleton too? Just some bear chilling. You ever run into like some crazy animal in your adventures? No, no, nothing, nothing. I nothing ran into out of the a, ordinary. I ran into a bear in Canada when we were fishing. Other than that, uh, nothing really too crazy. We were at this lodge. You're supposed to when you clean the fish. You know, you're supposed to put them uh, in certain areas and someone didn't put the fish in a certain area. And then when we woke up, there was a bear at the back of our lodge or we had a little cabin, but we, there was a fish, there was a filet room where you go in and, you know, process your fish. And there was a bear just like rummaging. You could hear it through the walls. This was, was interesting. But other than that, we were out fishing in Canada and we were on the boat and on the side, there was a bear just staring at us. It was pretty cool. Never got close to it. Do that. Yeah. No, no actual run-ins with, Animals out of the ordinary. Yeah. Let's go to the phones. Welcome on into the show. Who do I got? Hey, it's Tony. Is this coffee talk? Uh, this could be. This could be whatever talk you wanted to be, Tone. Hey, memory surgeon. Didn't one of you two go to Ireland? Yeah, me. Was that you? Yeah. And you didn't introduce your friend to Irish coffee. Oh, dude, Tony. I introduced my friend to. Here's the thing. I learned the hard way in Ireland. Don't order an Irish car bomb shot. It is frowned upon there. I was. I got a good yeah. talking to. But no, we had Irish coffee. A little. Uh, you know, a little coffee, a little Bailey's, and I also snuck a little Jamo in there. Yeah, I think you turned Nelly on to that. He might be a fan of coffee. That's a good point. He likes his Jamocha Arby right. shakes, I guess. But yeah, a little Bailey's, Nelly, hey, some I'll, mix, I'll mix in a Jamocha shake once every five years. Tony, I mean, I was a big fan. In Ireland, I bet you I put down about 50 pints of Guinness. I was a Guinness guy. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm a Smithic guy. Oh, Sorry. there's Smithics there, too. Yeah, there was this other yeah. one, too. It was... Um, God, well, Murphy's. There's a Murphy's Murphy, stout as yeah, well. Yeah, that's down south. Murphy's is in the south, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's actually better than Jameson. But I like the uh, I like floating the the black and tan the Smittix the Smittix light with the Guinness. I was a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So okay, well, I just thought you'd turn him into Irish coffee sometime. I will, Tony. Like I will do that for Nelly. I'll do that All for right. Nelly. All right, see you, buddy. Right. Nelly, would you if I were to bring in some Irish coffee, would you try it? It's got booze. Well, you're not much of a drinker anymore, are you? Yeah, I, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of anything lately. Been right. sitting on the sideline working on my nose. Yeah, no, no, Nelly's been on a commission with his nose surgery. I got to say, the rhinoplasty you got looks incredible. It's not as small as uh, Michael Jackson's, but you can breathe again now, right? You got some. Yeah, listen to that. Yeah, and we're still, we're still a little swollen. We're only a week out here. 
And I would imagine it was hard for you to sleep because a deviated septum, you always couldn't breathe out of one side of your nose. And you had mentioned you've dreamed for the first time in a long time, yeah, right? Yeah, first time in a long time or the first time that I've slept for more than five hours. That's I'm excited for you now. We'll get you back uh, Get you back on the good foot here, get you sleeping, get you a little R, that deep REM sleep, get you dreaming new again. New man. A new man, a reborn again with a new nose. All right, so I'm looking at here. They got um, 60... 60 storylines to watch for this new 2020 season of 60 games. 60 storylines for a 60-game Major League Baseball season. Uh, I keep going on the list. <laughs> it is hard to find a Brewer storyline, which is uh, interesting. Well, it's not interesting. It's the smallest market. I see people, uh, what they do here, they're like, oh, we don't get clicks from the Brewers. Uh, they got just how many times will the Astros get dinged? Shohei Otani is returning to the mound. You have Madison Bumgarner now uh, in a new colors for the Diamondbacks. Then you have Dusty Baker takes over for the Astros. Josh Donaldson for the Twins. Then you go, uh, will we see uh, Wander Franco? Are the Red Sox really rebuilding? I don't. It doesn't get till 34th. Do they finally have a Brewer story or a storyline to watch, I should say. Out of 60, we're down to 34. Can you take a stab in the dark of what it is, Nelson, if you don't know? Man, for the Brewers? What's the biggest storyline to watch you'd think they wrote about here? I'm going to say them using the DH with Ryan Braun, or it has to do with something with their starting pitching. Sorry, Nell. You would be wrong on that. It is actually, and I would have thought the same thing. Number 34, will Christian Yelich challenge for MVP honors again? Uh, is water wet? I guess we should have figured it had to do with something with the guy that was MVP and then runner-up. Nelson, is water wet? It is. Is the sky blue? Yes. Is the grass green? In some parts. Are boobs good? In, in, so, in some parts where it's getting some rain. Are boobs good? Yes. Will Christian Yelich challenge for MVP honors? I think so. <laughs> Let's just say yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Yelich won in 2018, even better in 2019. Oh, man. And uh, so they say, so much for regression for Yelich. By the start of the original spring training, Yelich was recovered from the fractured kneecap that ended his season a couple of weeks early last year. So, yes, at 28 years old, he's at his peak, and he could become the first NL player to win three straight batting titles since Tony Gwynn won four in a row from 94 to 97. Uh, Miggy Cabrera won three straight in the AL. Like, you can you can come out and say, oh, yeah, Christian Yelich is going to compete for a MVP, he's just that good. Mm -hmm. But everyone goes through slumps, except for Christian Yelich, what was that, two years ago? Yeah. Where he really never slumped at all. But say he comes out and he slumps for like a month. Yeah. That's well, half, the, that's season. half the season. I don't see Yelly slumping, though, but it is possible. No one's Superman out there, you know? It, it makes this race for MVP, for All-Stars, for obviously just the – championship in general the world series yeah wide open for so many different players and so many different teams who can get hot that's Remember, all that's what it's all about like who lately in the last decade or two what is it in football baseball it's basketball well not so much basketball because the superstars and whoever's got the uh all-star team wins but it's always who gets hot at mm. the end of the year yeah well, the end of the year is pretty much the whole year this year. <laughs> I know. You better be hot right out the gates and, and be hot the entire time. Uh, Yelly, though, scroll all the way down to 34. All right, I'm still going to scroll here. All right, here's another one. It's not Brewers related. Well, think about it. If you play the 60-game season, you play the playoffs, and you win it all, you probably just played about 80, 85 games. Mm -hmm. That's equivalent to half the season. Yeah. And some players can stay hot for, what, Half Look at season? what Christian Yelich did. 75% of the The year season? he won uh, MVP. He was hot for half the season. Yeah. Look at the, look the, at the, what, the last half of it, right? Yeah. And, well, I mean, he was pretty solid the he first so, half. Yeah, he was but solid. He was amazing and just on fire the second half. And then you look at last year where, all intents and purposes, he probably should have won back to back MVP yeah, awards. He had he not, had he played mediocrely down the stretch and not broke his kneecap? He probably wins the award because totally. Bellinger fell off the face of the earth. He did. Like, I well, think Be they, Bellinger was hot when the, in the Dodgers' first sixty games. 
Then he then he started to cool off. Exactly. Well, Yelich put together almost a full season of just being straight up hot. He he just happened to miss one full month basically with the broken kneecap. Yeah. So that was nearly a full season of being pretty hot. So there you go. I mean, in- guys guys can get hot and carry their team, especially superstars like Christian Yelich. Well, speaking of hot. If you want to talk about 60 games, Cody Bellinger last year, obviously the reigning right now NL MVP, Cody Bellinger had 20 home runs in the Dodgers' first 60 games. That's <laughs> that's probably your MVP this year. Yeah, if-, if he does it again. Like, if you were to hit 20 dingers in 60 games, you're looking at MVP status right there. And then Bellinger in 2017, his rookie campaign, he hit 24 home runs in the first 60 games. <laughs> so if you're if if Yelly comes out just blazing hot, yeah, he's going to be challenging for MVP honors. Even if he struggles for if he struggles for two or three weeks, you almost take yourself out of that race because yeah. the season's only two months. Yeah. Uh, speaking of home runs, right here, number thirty six storyline to watch: Albert Pujols. He's four home runs away from tying Willie Mays at six sixty for fifth all time. He'll also pass Alex Rodriguez with 12 RBIs to move into third on that list, trailing only Hank, Aaron, and Babe Ruth. And this is almost hard to believe, they say. He has now gone seven consecutive seasons without slugging 500 after slugging 608 the first 12 seasons of his career. My God. All right, I'm going to keep scrolling down the list here. I bet you I don't even know if we're going to see any more. I, I don't even know if we're going to see any more Brewers on here. Um can't can't squeeze two out of sixty. It'd be it'd be only two headlines for him. Uh, right now, it's just Yelich really challenged for MVP. I'm at fifty one right now. Still nothing. Fifty four, nothing. Well, there aren't a ton of expectations for the Brewers this year. They dropped into what third? Was it third or fourth best odds to win the oh, NL Central? Oh my God! There's one. There's one more. <laughs> out of the sixty storylines. The Brewers have two. Hey, at least, you know, 30 teams. They at least got their two. Number 34 was Will Christian Yelich challenge for MVP. Well, ask yourself this question again. Is the grass green? Is the sky blue? Are boobs good? The answer is yes for all of those. Number 60 out of 60 storylines. They say this, and perhaps the biggest question of all. As Brewers pitcher Brett Anderson tweeted out Monday night, quote, what happens when we all get it? And that's <laughs> so it's, in reference so it's a storyline referencing COVID-19. a Brewers pitcher who technically hasn't even thrown one pitch for the Brewers. Yes. Referencing co- COVID-19, COVID-19 and everyone getting sick. What happens when we all get and it? And the world ending. You know, no offense to Brett Anderson, but him saying what happens when we all get it, it does that sound like a guy that you want on your team right now who's going to be shaking in fear in his, lo- in his, in his little cubby locker? Like, I, I don't know if I can go out there. Well, here's the, here, here's the thing. It's only a matter of time until we all get it. <laughs> Every single person on this planet. Well, Brett Anderson, here's the thing. You are, uh, you're in the age range where I think you're going to be just fine. I think your recovery rate's going to be about 99.98% you might have a bigger chance of dying by driving to the ballpark than you do COVID-19. Just throwing it out there. Two storylines for the Brewers. Will Christian Yelich challenge for the MVP? And Brewers pitcher Brett Anderson tweets out, what happens when we all get it? Go shake and fear at home. Up on Twitter, at Zone Madison. Simple question. Also on Facebook as well, Zone Madison. Which type of baseball game entertains you more? A pitcher's duel or a slugfest? Leading the way in a big way, 71.4% say slugfest. I voted pitcher's duel. I like the drama. I like the tension. Nelly, you voted. I voted pitcher's duel as well. Uh, Just because slugfest after slugfest, it kind of gets boring, right? Yeah. It's like because uh, you're you know, oh here comes another home run. Oh, oh there's another, which one. is cool. But if you see it constantly, you're like, okay, all right, all right, yeah. Where I, and on the other hand, I feel like it makes sense why, you know, most people voting on this poll are probably Brewer fans. Winning slugfests, you're winning is really what they see the most. Since, I mean, we can pretty much since the uh, 
'80s, the Brewers have been pretty bad for the most part. You know, is there? A, I I know the answer, my own answer, but let me ask you: Is there a difference of users when it comes to Facebook and Twitter? I think Facebook is more encompassing because the older generations are also on Facebook, where yeah. Twitter is more like an echo chamber of. Twitter's more like sixteen to people that sixty. Think, people that think they're like 50. people that think they're like really woke. Yeah, I think more people that think they're super woke live on. I'm Twitter. I'm gonna say you're not on Twitter unless you're a polit or not a political, but a, a public figure. Yeah, if you're over the age of forty. I will say, uh, the older crowd ruined Facebook. Facebook ruined itself though with the share button and the like. Facebook was so awesome before the share button. Uh, and then Facebook was also really awesome before the older generations were on it. Now they just ruined it. Thanks. Now they're starting to ruin Twitter. I set up for this thing called Parler the other day. You heard of that? Yeah, very briefly. Check that out. See what that's all about. In but what? Instagram? If, if your Instagram is just for big if butts. If your Twitter is like age 16 to 50, I'm yeah. going to say Instagram is age like 16 to like 30, 40, 40 something. Yeah. And I don't even bother with TikTok. I don't even know what that is, really. I just see a bunch of idiot people looking like idiots dancing on it. I don't, I don't even have it. I don't mess with TikTok, and I'm not going to. Uh, I also heard I think like China like ha- like hacked into TikTok. There's like big security breaches in it and whatever. But the reason why I bring up the differences between um, Facebook and Twitter. So on Twitter, our Twitter poll has now it's seventy percent going to Slugfest, but Slugfest winning in a, a landslide on Twitter. But then I go to Facebook. Same question, which type of baseball game entertains you more, Pitcher's Duel or Slugfest? Everyone on here says Pitcher's Duel on Facebook. Mitch in Madison, he says Pitcher's Duel by far. one nothing type game. Game moves quickly and there's a ton of tension. Um, Bryce, he says Pitcher's Duel because it adds more suspense and still moves the game along at a quicker pace. Julie, she says Pitcher's Duel. Mitch, he says Pitcher's Duel. But there are a couple in here. It's not all, it's not, there are a couple in here say Slugfest. But our guy Becker, congrats on the marriage, brother. Your vacation looked awesome. He says, Slugfest, any day. So glad we don't need to see career .046 hitters at the plate this year. Why is that? Well, because the NL now has the DH. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I was pitching a freaking tent when I saw Brandon Woodruff go yard off of Clayton Kershaw in the NLCS. That was pretty badass. Yeah, plus it's just the strategy of the game changes. Because you could have a you could have anyone go and manage an AL team and say, yep, we're going to throw this slugger in at DH, and really you don't have to manage because there's nothing you're going to do until your pitcher gets tired. Now, do you agree with him? It's like, I'm so glad we don't need to see career 0-4-6 hitters at the plate. See, I I like, I like the strategy, the strategy yeah. because then it goes, well, do you want your do you want your pitcher to hit eighth? Is mm-hmm. he going to hit ninth? Is he going to sack bunt this time? Is he going to get the green light? Yeah, what's he is he going to swing away? What like what are we doing here? Ooh, it's the sixth inning. He's got ninety five pitches. What do you do? Do we yank? He's him? coming up. We got guys on. Do I take him out and go for some more offense, or do I keep him in because he's rolling? The universal DH makes the baseball. More simplified. It, and it makes it a lot easier for the managers. A lot, lot less strategy, a lot easier. Instead of playing chess with the universal DH, now you're playing more checkers, right? Less yeah, strategy. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, I like the pitcher's duel. I like – I'm fine with the open – I'm fine with this season, the 60 games of the universal DH. It's like a, it's like a cool experiment. Moving forward, though, I would prefer it. If uh, can we can we break it down this way? The DH and the NL. If you if you prefer to watch the slugfest and just offense, 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 you're the just entertain me person. But if you like the pitchers duel, where there's some strategy mm-hmm. and you see the nuance of the game and and all the little things here and there, it's you can appreciate the game. For what it is with the uh, the different strategy, with the different... Uh... I live... So if I'm at the game, if I'm physically in attendance, physically there and mentally there, like, you, like you I'm not too bombed. I'm you not can too appreciate bombed. the different aspects of the game if yeah. it's a pitcher's duel, not just 
entertain me. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With the long ball. If I'm at the game itself and I'm still in a somewhat sober state of mind and can focus on the game, I like watching dingers. I like people just cranking it going yard because I'm there at the stadium. I don't get the camera angles I would at home. If I'm at home, I prefer watching the pitcher's duel because you get the nuances of the game. You get the the different camera angles. You get, you know, uh, you know, insert anything here of what you don't get at a stadium. And the, the beer's cheaper. And the food's cheaper, too, at home. But does that make sense to you? Like, when I'm at the game, I want to see dudes just mashing. But I've never been to a game where there's been a no-no or a yeah, pitcher's want, duel going on. When you're there, you want to see you want to see the action because you can't see every single pitch. You can't see exactly where the pitcher placed it. You, you can't see the perfection from the pitcher. Yeah. And you're because probably— Because you can't see if he's painting the corners or yeah, not. Yeah, you're probably half paying attention. Yeah, because you're, you're talking, getting you're, bombed. Yeah, you're talking to your friends— you're drinking, you're chirping you're, at you're some o- other fans. Yeah, you're occupied. Yeah. And then you just love to hear that loud crack of the bat. And then you get and to the look roar up of the crowd. and you see that that ball's flying out of the stadium. And Bernie Brewer's losing his mind going on the slide. Because when a dude's throwing 98 and he's painting the corner, it's getting there in a few seconds. And you missed it. <laughs> you're like, did he throw the ball? Like, what happened there? I didn't see anything. Looked like a strike to me up here. Up. So, yeah, you just want to hoot and holler and continue to. To, par- to party and have a good time when you're there. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. When I'm at home, God, do I love the nuances of baseball. I was saying this earlier in the show. My favorite thing to see is when a pitcher is absolutely dealing and he just gets that third strike, you know, for the third out or whatever inning, and he walks off the mound, just he, he's got this look of a stone-cold killer on his face. And it's kind of like that mini flex where he doesn't really move his arms too much. He's just walking off the mound like he knows he's the well, man. If, I, mean, I for, love that. For Brewer fans, obviously, pitching is few and far between over the years. Like oh, You yeah. have guys like Ben Sheets. You'd have your Vani Gallardo in his prime. Zach Greinke was here for a little bit. Guys like Sean Markham were all right. Yeah, You have Woodruff now. But how awesome was it when CC Sabathia Ooh. was taking the ball every Ooh. three days and throwing like it felt like complete games every every other time out, and he comes off the mound all pumped up, <gasps> screaming into his glove, <sighs> pumping people up. My favorite, and he was making people just look bad. What's your favorite way when? A, what's your favorite thing for a pitcher to do after a strikeout? I love it. I love. I love like let's say Ben Sheets is up there and he throws that just nasty, dirty. That dirty curve, where it's just like it's like how, how is it physical, physically possible for the ball to do just that? a huge twelve six curve, and ball. then and then even before like the catcher gets it, Sheets is already walking off the mound, not saying anything because he knows it's a strike, just already walking off. And yeah, he's already ca- he's already like halfway he's already like halfway to the dugout. The casual walk off, like, oh, did I do that? Yeah, oh, did I do that? That's my favorite. Is when a dude is just he knows it's a strike and he knows it's just the nasty he, coming. He in. walks off like he knows what he did and he's very confident and he is walking straight yeah. back and not focusing on anyone else. <laughs> or you got the guys like CC Sabathia who are screaming. Uh, Seth McClung. Yep. When he struck out, those guys was fired up. My favorite is when the dude just walks off like a stone cold killer, emotionless. He's already halfway to the dugout before the batter even knows what happens. That's that's my favorite in a pitcher's duel. Remember, uh, was it Matt Albers? Was it a year or two ago when <laughs> hey, he got hey, the, hey. he got out of that big jam? Yeah, I, I think he struck someone out and he went he went off doing like the chest all fired up like screaming. Uh-huh. And I believe it was Dan Plesac on the call because it was on I think MLB Network. And he goes, look at Matt Albers over there getting all fat and sassy <laughs> yeah. as he wraps off the mound. That yeah. was hilarious. I love that, dude. Um, but then if you're a batter, you can't show any emotion, you know, if you do something good. Then you're going to get plunk coming up. If, you're, if, you, if you crank a bomb, you should be able to celebrate that thing. You should be able to watch it. I, I wish I'd you could, stand there and watch it. I wish you could f- I, type it in on YouTube. Try and find Dan Plesak, uh fat and sassy Matt Albers. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'll do that during the commercial break, and then I'll play it coming up if we can find it. I'm telling you, dude, my favorite ever is when that pitcher knows the nasty just coming and that strike's coming, and they just walk off the mound like a silent assassin. Don't even say a word. And everyone around this team is like, don't don't talk to him. The dude's in the zone. He's He's got the eye of the tiger right now. Don't talk to him. He's murking. God, I love it. Right.
All right, we'll be right back. I'll try to find that. Uh, try to find that for you, Rod. We were saying, what do you like more, a pitcher's duel or a slugfest? And I said pitcher's duel. Rowdy, you said pitcher's duel. Now, this was a slugfest turned into a pitcher's duel at the end. This We're going to bottom of the 11th. It's 10-10. Orlando uh, Arcia would eventually win this game. Uh, with a home, He would homer, and then the game would end in a double play. But Matt Elbers had to come in to clean some things up. And when you get a pitcher fired up on the mound, there's nothing better. So Nelson's like, I remember Dan Plesek having an awesome saying for Matt Elbers. We found it. Here you go. We go to the bottom of the 11th. And there's first and second. It's all about getting the next two outs. The one-two and a ground ball. RC is over. He's got it. Flips it. Here is throw to first. He's in time and a double play. Matt Albers is fired up. Look at Matt Albers just stepped in a big old bucket of sassy. We head to the 12th. <laughs> stepped in a big old bucket of sassy. Classic. And Matt Albers is just pumping his fist and screaming. Oh, man, good old Matt Elbers. Got a tweet here from my guy, J8 Krebs. What's up, Jordan? He says, the DH takes away advantage that Craig Council gives us. The DH blows. Yeah, see, and that's right. And that's why I don't get why when me and Becker go at it back and forth, he's the guy that said Slugfest, right? Yeah, Slugfest. That's why I don't get it, because he's a big guy as... Craig Council is the best manager in baseball. Why wouldn't you want to have more strategy in the NL where you can use Craig Council as a tool of being a better manager? Yeah, I mean, Craig Council, is a he's like a genius mind out there. He's like Russell Crowe, dude, when, uh, a beautiful mind. He's, he's, he's a mad scientist. You know what I don't like? I don't mind. Okay, I don't mind the DH for this 60-game season. All right, it's a fun little experiment. Let's see what happens. But here's the thing. You're going to give Major League Baseball people in position of power. If you give them an inch, they take a mile, and then they'll never look back, and you'll never be yeah, able to go back to how it was. Yeah, that's what I'm scared about, that there will, there will be a DH in the future for the NL. If you're in a position of power, if if you get a little bit more power, you ain't going to – Nelson, you ever heard someone in power that gives up power? No. Doesn't happen. Let's say you drag them out, and they're kicking and screaming. They are going to probably implement this moving forward. Here's what I don't like, though, completely. Like, okay, I'll, I'll play along a little bit the DH. We're going to have to anyways. The other rule that they're going to have that I don't really care for is if it goes to extra innings, a runner automatically starts on second base. What is that? Yeah, not a fan of that at all. Is anyone a fan of that? Are you a fan of having a runner start on second base for extra innings? If you are, I would love to hear from you. 608-321-1670, Twitter, Zone Madison, Facebook Zone Madison. Find us on Twitch. Search my name on twitch.tv. Search Ebo Says. Hit that follow button. Let me know. Are you a fan of having an extra uh, 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 automatic base runner on second? I'm not. I mean. what's How is that? What, the integrity of the game? It completely what? changes the game, right? Yeah. Because how hard is it to get a guy on second to win? And all of a sudden, you just start with a guy on second? If anything, it should encourage Small ball type yep. play because, you know, get the runner over, get him in. But will it? Will will teams adapt? I have no idea. I feel like some of these people are still so stuck in their ways, they're going to still just do the same things that they've been trying. Hit the ball out of the ballpark, hit the ball far. Oh, yeah, for sure. So now you have a guy on, for, or on second. You can't even get a guy in, in from second. Because you're not even, I don't, you're I just don't continuing to swing for the fences as if no one's on. Now, will that change? Maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, you would also think when teams utilize the the shift, right? Yeah. That you would try to hit it away from the shift. Mm-hmm. How many guys just still go up there and just say, well, you know, screw it. I'm still going to try and hit it as hard as I can and try and beat the shift and either hit it out of the ballpark park or find a hole in the shift. I'm not even going to hit it away from the shift. You see that all the time. Yeah. So why would their strategy change from having a guy on second in extra innings? So uh, our guy Krebs just hit me back up. He says, I'm okay with a runner on second after like 12 innings, but not after nine. All right, well, let me ask you, Nelly. I'm looking up the longest games in Major League Baseball history. The Pawtucket Red Sox and the Rochester Red Wings, two teams from the AAA International League, played the longest game in professional baseball history. 
33 innings with eight hours and 25 minutes of playing time. Would you uh, have wanted a runner on second base um, before, you know, well, I mean, this game was 33 innings. Would you sit around for a 33-inning baseball game? Probably not. I'd probably have places <laughs> to go that next day or something. Like, get me the hell out of here. But at the same time, if if another team want, doesn't want to be there, then... Yeah, then let them score. Lay down, then you know. Yeah, the runner on second. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a fan. And if you are going to be the only thing around, because Major League Baseball, they say they're going to start July 23rd or July 24th. That's seven or six days before uh, the NBA's little eight-game regular season and uh, their postseason starts. If you're the only thing around, you're America's pastime. You're a major sport that's finally back. Wouldn't you try to stretch these games out as long as possible to give something to people to watch and, I don't know, more more advertising? Like, wouldn't that make sense? Well, yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing else to watch. But to if do. you... But, I mean, play devil's advocate on that. If you're baseball, what have you heard for way too long? It's too that long. The too game long. takes too long. Your, your game's boring? Even though it really... It doesn't. Doesn't. Uh, average baseball game is what, like three hours and like ten minutes? The average like baseball game is shorter than the average was an NFL game. NFL's longer, and college football's the longest by far. College football's like three hours and 40 minutes. NFL's like three, 320 something. Major League Baseball's around 310. Like, it seems longer than football, I guess, but it's not. And if you really break down football, the ball's only in play for an entire game. The amount of time that the ball's in play, I think it's a total of 11 minutes. It's either 9 or 11 minutes out of a 16-minute game. <laughs> it's a lot of replays. I don't know, man. The runner on second base, not really my thing, but we're going to have to check it out. And then also, you're going to have now... Well, I like, what do you think of playing the AL Central? So you have the Brewers going to be playing their NL Central uh, rivals well, I think 40 makes... times total. And then 20 goes to the AL Central, hence a 60-game regular season. I think it makes sense, right? Yeah. You don't really want, you don't really want teams traveling around with the, the pandemic happening, right? Yeah. So you're going to play the division opposite of you so you stay in basically the midwest and the brewers got the easiest one out of the al yeah al central is probably the worst division in the al so you like it that way if you're the brewers you don't have to travel as much cuts down on travel time and like we said spreading stuff for the pandemic so i think i mean that's nothing they can really there's nothing they can really do about it because i dig it i like it and it, yeah, cool. and it helps it, it helps the brewers and it helps with travel. Yeah. I uh, just got a message from Trevor. What's up, Trevor Sieg? Sieg, did I say that right? S-I-E-G. What's up, bro? She says, imagine Brandon Woodruff and pre-injury Jimmy Nelson as the one-two of the rotation. Having a DH erases the chance of injury on the, ba- on the bases like Jimmy Nelson. A few seasons back, our opening day starter also got hurt while batting and missed a few weeks. True. It does cut off. You know, on the potential of injury. Yeah, but what are the odds of diving back into a base and tearing your rotator cuff? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to see the, the how many times the numbers, have, the percentage, the probability of getting injured. How many if you're times a has everyone that has played baseball dove back into a base and didn't tear their rotator cuff versus the ones where they did? Yeah, and how many times have you seen a guy do a foul ball and he busts his kneecap? Christian, i.e., Christian Yelich. Freak injuries happen, you know. It's uh, it sucks. It's sad, but they do happen. Man, what would you rather take back? You know what's funny? I've actually seen one other person dive back into a base and tear his rotator cuff, and one other person foul a ball off of themselves and shatter their kneecap. Not shatter a kneecap, but like chip the bone in their foot. Really? Same person. Same person. Same person. <laughs> do they have like the worst luck ever? No, but they're also 40-plus and playing home talent still. So. Oh, yeah, they're hanging on. They're hanging on. But, yes, yeah, same person. What? That's crazy. What injury would you rather have taken back? Jimmy Nelson tearing his rotator cuff or Christian Jimmy Yelich Nelson, hands down. Shattering his kneecap. That's another, that's another guy that looked like he might be an ace the Man. next year who was just putting it all together, and then all of a sudden he's gone for over a year and a half, and then when he comes back, he looked terrible. And now he's no longer with the organization. 
because they didn't pick up his uh, what was it his option, and then he goes and signs with the Dodgers. Yeah. Well, you still have Christian Yelich, and you still made the playoffs last year because the team played pretty well once he went down. Man, they rallied together and made the playoffs in September. Yeah, I would so easily. Uh, yeah, I would take back the take Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson because Brewers still made the playoffs, and they still if Josh Hader could have found the strike zone or Trent Clark or Grisham, whatever he goes by now, could feel the damn ball. <laughs> we'd be talking a different story here. Uh, check this out. Uh, Zips projected standings in the NL Central for a 60-game regular season. The NL Central is going to be nuts. This is the projected records for these teams. The Chicago Cubs at 32 and 28. The Milwaukee Brewers at 31 and 29. The St. Louis Cardinals at 31 and 29. The Cincinnati Reds at 31 and 29. And the Pittsburgh Pirates at 26 and 34. You think the NL Central is going to be nuts this year? You want to get nuts? Well, that's going to let's be, get nuts. That's going to be every single division where there's more than one competitive team. Yeah, the Chicago Cubs, according to Zips projected standings, have the Cubs winning it at 32 and 28, but all tied for second. Brewers, Cards, Reds at 31 and 29. Wow, it is going to get wild. <laughs>